to tell you something is about to happen in your life something incredible is about to happen in your life above and beyond anything you have ever experienced before the enemy shot his best shot at you but it failed you took a licking and you kept on ticking you've been to hell and back but you made it over you're a survivor you're on your way up and no weapon formed against you shall be able to prosper hallelujah every tongue that rises against you god said i'll condemn it and something is about to happen touch somebody and say get ready get ready get ready get ready get ready get your mind ready get your heart ready get your spirit ready get everything lined up glory to god something is about to happen in your life get your bible and go to the book of genesis <laughs> glory to god genesis chapter 1 verse number 11 down to verse number 16 I have a custom that I do in the States and since I'm feeling at home I'm gonna do it in Australia I want you to stand for the reading of the word is that alright bless you Richard it's always a blessing to see you glory to God Genesis chapter 1 verse 11 through 16 if you can't find the book of Genesis come to the altar right now You really drifted a long ways from God when you can't find the book of Genesis. <laughs> I'm giving you time. <laughs> Genesis 1:11, and God said, "Let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind." whose seed, check that out, whose seed is in itself upon the earth, and it was so. And the earth brought forth grass and herb yielding seed after his kind, and the tree yielding fruit, whose seed was in itself after his kind, and God saw that it was good. And the evening and the morning were the third day. And God said, watch closely, let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens, to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years I want to read that again because I want that to sink in deep and God said let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night I want I want you to have a system God says of dividing the day from the night so that you can readily determine where you are what's going on with you where you are in the scheme of time and order and structure and let them be for signs signs so that you can understand and for seasons so that you can quantify when to do what a season lets you know when to do what without an understanding of seasons you can do the right thing at the wrong time and not be effective because you didn't do it uh, circumspectly lined up with the season that God wanted to do in your life. So you could be frustrated in your life doing the very things that you've been taught to do but not getting the result that you've been taught to get because you did it at the wrong time. So seasons are very important. And this is God setting in order a structure 
before there are computers or calendars or laptops or iPods or any of this technology or watches or any of this technology that we have today all the way back when before there was paper or pencil God said I want to put something in order so that you can quantify time so that you will always be cognizant of where you are because if you don't know where you are you'll never be able to determine where you're going. Are you hearing me tonight? He said, I want it to be for signs and for seasons and days and years and let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth and it was so and on and on and on and on. But I want you to focus in on that word seasons. Tonight, by the grace of God, remain standing. I'm going to pray with you. But tonight, I want to talk to you about shifting seasons shifting seasons your season is shifting you are coming into a new season and a new order and the thing that you couldn't do in previous seasons you will be able to do now in a way that you have never been able to do it before because you are coming into your season I believe with all of my heart that God has given me a word for this house and this place. My God, this is too far to come not to have a word from God. I flew so far, I thought I was going to heaven. When I got off the plane, I was looking for Peter and Gabriel and, and Pearly Gates. So when I got here, I said, Lord, if ever was a place to have a word from God, it is here. And I got good news. I've got a word from God for you tonight. Father, I beg you, I beseech you, I plead with you tonight, release the kind of anointing that no flesh would be glorified in your sight, but that your people would be blessed. That's all I ask you. Bless your people tonight. All from the rafters to the front row, let your glory saturate this place. I thank you in advance for what you're about to do. Release ministering angels. Let them flap their wings in this house. I thank you now. Take over and speak specifically and strategically to the issues in our life and I praise you for it and I give you glory for it in Jesus name somebody shout me down in here amen 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 you may be seated in the presence of God before there was a where or a when or this or that there was God the Bible said from everlasting to everlasting thou art God Without beginning or ends of days, speaking of Melchizedek, without mother or father, God is from as far back as you can see and as far forward as you can see. Moses told God, he said, God, you know me, but I don't know you. And God said, there is a place beside me. Get in the cleft of the rock and I'm going to cause my goodness to pass over you and I'm going to show you my glory. And the Bible said when Moses got down in the cleft of the rock that the glory of the Lord passed over Moses. Can you imagine just to be in a rock and God's goodness just pass over you? Kind of like the praise service we were in tonight. The goodness of God has just swept over you. But what do we do with these moments? Do we just have them and go back home and wait for the next one? 
almost like junkies getting a fix or smokers smoking a cigarette? Are we just habitually addicted to moments without being able to take that moment and use it strategically to do something in our lives? When God's goodness passes before you, something is supposed to happen in the depths of your soul and in your spirit. And the Bible said that when Moses got through looking at God's goodness, that his face was lit up with the glory of God. That it was in the, in the King James that said, it shone with glory. It literally means that glory beams were shooting out of his face. Now that's church. That's church. When you come out and you don't need to turn your headlights on to drive home, baby, you've been to church. <laughs> and it said that Moses saw his back parts, his back parts, that many people believe that this refers to Moses seeing the history that he writes about in Genesis, the Pentateuch, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, and Numbers, that he begins to chronicle in the beginning, not in God's beginning, because God has no beginning. God is eternal. But in our beginning, in the beginning, God. Is the, he said, I went back as far as I could see. And as far back as I could look, he was still there. Good God of mercy. Everything that happened came out of him. He was God before the first day was made. Before the first second began to tick. He was God. Before the first minute was chronicled, he was God. Before the first hour was collected in suckers, he was God. Before there was anybody there to tell him he was God, or write a song about him being God, or praise him for being God, he was still God. People have said that God needs us to praise him, but I take issue with that. I'm not sure God needs us to praise him. Before there were any people to praise him, God praised himself. The Bible says in the book of Genesis that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and the earth was without form and void and darkness covered the face of the deep and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters and God said let there be light and there was light and there was no choir to sing, there was no band, so God looked at it and said it was good. Are you hearing me? The first thing that God wants you to know about him in the beginning, God, Elohim, the Elohistic God, the covenant-keeping God, the creatorial God. He wants you to know that your God is a creator. There are many things that could be said about him. He's a comforter. He's a healer. He's a waymaker. He's a lover. He's a bridge over troubled waters. He's a rabbi. He's a teacher. But the first thing that God wants you to know is that he is a creator. So if your God is a creator and you are created in his likeness and in his image, guess what? That means you are creative. Somewhere down inside of you there is creativity. So God doesn't give man everything. Because man is created in his likeness and in his image, man needs something. God doesn't give us chairs or tables or pencils. He gave us trees. You'll get it later. 
God doesn't make a table or a bench or a chair. He doesn't make a cup or a spoon. He doesn't give us a computer or a laptop. He doesn't give us a watch. He doesn't give us a cabinet. He doesn't give us a glass. He doesn't give us a jar. He doesn't give us a vase because we need something to create like him. We need to pull something out of something. So when you pray and you ask God for something, don't expect it to show up looking like what you asked for. It will show up in a raw form so you can pull it out of your circumstance and your situation baby you are creative and you need to be in an environment where that creativity can be stimulated creativity in early in my life the first thing they did that, 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 that just messed me up is they gave me coloring books and told me to color and then they told me to color in the lines why why do I have to color in the lines and stay within the parameters of somebody else's vision the problem with God's people now is that we are staying within the parameters of somebody else's vision. But when you are truly creative, you don't need a coloring book. Baby, you need a blank sheet of paper so you can just let it rip. And the reason that you have to begin to reposition the way you think and the way you function and the way you feel is that we many times are stuck between the lines of limited thinking and limited people and limited ideas and limited philosophies and there's something creative down inside of you saying let there be. You need to walk into a situation where you've been locked up and tied up and tangled up and say let there be light, let there be healing, let there be books, let there be ministry, let there be houses for unwed mothers, let there be change in this city, let there be reformation in this house, let there be deliverance in this circumstance. You do not have to accept it the way it is. God gave you creativity and you're about to go home and let it rip. I don't know who you were before you came to Hillsong, but by the time this week is over, every devil in hell is going to be running from you because you're going to go home and declare and decree some things and there's going to be changes because you're coming into your season. Can you hear me tonight? I say, can you hear me tonight? They got me doing pretty good. I like the mics in here. I like this. I like this. It's good. I've been preaching since I was 19, and I used to, uh, 31 years now, and I used to tell them I wanted the mics hot enough that when I holler, my hair blows back. <laughs> but now I'm out of hair, <laughs> and I'm still preaching, losing teeth too. I tell you, everything's going back to the Lord in pieces. If he don't come and get me soon, there's not going to be much left. I'm going to be about that big. My God. Let all the men say amen. amen. Never mind. Uh, God, in the book of Genesis, is not only teaching us. He is not trying to explain or prove so never use it to prove or argue or wrestle with people about creation. God never has to prove that he is. 
You don't even have to explain God. God cannot be explained. He must be revealed. Whenever you experience God, it's by divine revelation. You just know it. And you can't even explain how you know that you know it. You just know that you know that you know. He is revealed. It is the grace of God that lets you see him. He said, Moses, I'm going to show you my glory. You could never find it on your own. I'm just going to show it to you. And it's going to happen in your life. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you tonight? There are about four points I'm going to talk to you about tonight, and I think they are important, and I think that they are relative to what God is going to do in your life. They are extracted from this, from this text. They are relative to what I'm teaching around the world about repositioning because we have got to change the way we think. We have got to change the way we function. We have got to change the way we deal with issues because God is getting his church ready to do exploits like we have never done before. We've got to get rid of stinking thinking people and lowly mindsets. We've got to break out of the barriers and the limitations and get outside of the box. Something is about to happen in your life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The first thing I want you to understand is that your God is strategic. That God is a strategist. He has a strategy. He has a plan. He has a purpose. God is strategic. He's not chaotic. He's not impulsive. He's not confused. He doesn't respond. He doesn't react. He has a strategy. He has what the Methodists call, he is methodical. He has a method whereby he does things. Nothing is happening in your life by accident. God has a program. He has a structure. He has an order. He has a strategy. You need to know that God's mind is full of you. He is thinking about you. He planned for you. You didn't just happen. Regardless of the circumstances of your birth, you are not an accident. You are not an incident. You are here by divine purpose. God has a plan for your life. Your God is a strategist. His mind is full of you. His thoughts are full. When we read in Genesis, the first thing we understand is that God had a strategy. He did not intend to do on the first day what he planned to do on the fifth day. He didn't intend to do on the fourth day what he had decreed to do on the third day. He was not intimidated because everything wasn't finished on the first day. He knew that he had done enough for that day and it was good. So why are you worried about days that are ahead of you? Things that haven't happened to you. Things that you're not ready to face yet. You've got to take it one day at a time. And when you get to the end of the day, you say, Lord, it was good. Thank you for that day. I'm not finished, but I've done everything that I was supposed to do for that day, for that time, for that season. I am right on course. Your God is a strategist, what the Apostle Paul calls the manifold wisdoms of God. God has a wisdom, he has a plan, he has a method. Nothing happens by accident. You might be shocked, but God is not shocked. There is nothing going on in your life that has surprised God. God is omniscient. He is all-knowing. He knows all things. He knows when to bring people in your life. He knows when to release people out of your life. And as you walk with him, you soon get to the point that you learn how to thank him when they come. And you learn how to thank him when they go. Because you know that God is just working his plan in your life. 
and you learn like the Apostle Paul, I have learned whatever state I'm in, therewith to be content. I praise him when things are going the way I want them to go. I praise him when they're not going the way I want them to go because I know God has a plan. And even though people did things for evil to me, God still made it turn out for my good. I thank you because you set out to curse me, but God blessed me anyhow to God. Be, come on, let's be honest. Isn't it true that every now and then we're praising God because he delivered us out of the snare of the enemy and we're rejoicing because we know that if it hadn't been for him, we wouldn't have made it. How many survivors do we have in the room who've been through things and you made it out by the grace of God? Tell your neighbor, I may blow up on you tonight. I may explode on you tonight. When I look back over my life and I see how many things God strategized in my life, I may just blow up on you. When I look back at the things that I worried about yesterday, that I'm shouting about today, I might just explode on you today. I didn't understand what he was doing right then, but now I understand that God had a strategy and all things are working together for the good of them that love the Lord who are the called according to his purpose. Can I go deeper with this tonight? He is a strategist. Number two. God does things by a system. He has a system. The more you have in your life, the more systems you have to have in your life to accommodate those new dimensions in your life. You have a baby, you need a system. You have a house, you need a system. You get a job, you need a system. You own your own business, you need a system. The more God adds to your life, the more systems have to be in your life. Your God is systemic. He didn't create oak trees and palm trees and, and, and grass and roses and not have a system of reproduction in place. He said, I created it so that everything had the seed inside of itself. Over and over in my text tonight, you will read that each thing had the seed inside of itself. What is the seed? The seed is the future. The future was inside of the tree. So every time you need grass, God didn't have to come down from heaven and say, <clears throat> let there be grass because God already had a system in place to accommodate the future let there be oak trees God would be wore out but he had a system and each system required that you understand that there is a seed inside of the tree, a seed inside of the bush. There, the future is inside of you. Put your hand on your stomach right now. Put your hand on your belly and say, my future is inside of me. God has things in you you haven't tapped into yet. Whether you're 8 or 80, the reason you woke up this morning is because God isn't finished with you. He's got something else for you to do. You haven't sung your best song. You haven't preached your best sermon yet. You haven't thought your greatest thought. You haven't written down your greatest idea. You haven't dreamed your best dream. Baby, you haven't laughed your, left, your best laugh. You haven't had your greatest day yet. It's somewhere inside of you. That's why when you get you in an atmosphere like this, anything can happen in the room because there's all kind of stuff down inside of you waiting to come out. You're a miracle looking for a place to happen. 
You're a testimony looking for a place to be delivered. You have got all kinds of things locked up inside of you that are about to come forth for such a time as this. The time is right. The stage is set. The conditions are in order. And something awesome is about to happen in your life. Don't let anybody tell you you're too young. Don't let anybody tell you you're too old. Don't let anybody tell you you're finished. Every day you wake up in the morning, it's a sign. The best is yet. Yet to come. And I've got something to tell you whether you're a man or a woman, whether you're young or old, whether you're 8 or 80, I know this is going to shock you, but I came to tell you you're pregnant. You should see the men looking at me. With dreams and vision and ministry and purpose and hope and concepts and ideas is down inside of you and when the season is right and the conditions are right and everything lines up in order you're going to give birth to things that you have never dreamed of before and i just came to tell you that you're coming into your season you're coming into your time you're about to come into your zone baby things are about to click for you your alarm clock is about to go off you're about to fly into orbit devil should have killed you when he had the chance because it's too late now something is about to happen yes somebody shout in this house Are you with me tonight? What we want is God's strategy. Let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. Give me your mind. Help me to think like you. Help me to think the God kind of thoughts. Put me in environments that are conducive for me to think on the next level. Let this mind be in you. Let me get your strategy. Let me get your mentality. The greatest thing you can get from anybody is their mind. Not their money. Their mind. Because it is the mind that produces the money. You don't need the money. You need the mind. So God's wealth, God's wealth is locked up in his mind. And when you get his strategy, you have got the power that you need to do everything that you've got to do. Are you with me so far? Number three, we want to talk about synergy. We want to talk about synergy. God is synergistic. He created each thing to reproduce by mating with its own kind equivalence synergy each thing had to hook up with the right thing there is nothing worse than hooking up with the wrong people deadbeat Johnny come lately people will hold you back and make you miss your season because they do not have the synergy to be connected with you. Goats can't reproduce with frogs. Pelicans don't hang out with foxes. God has fixed creation. So, in fact, when, when, you, when you think about creation, let's talk a, a moment about eagles. How many eagles do we have in here? Are you an eagle? You know, you know that eagles are, 
are so amazing in our in our country the the national bird is the eagle it's a sign of liberty in our in our nation it's a symbol of power because the eagle is keen in its vision it's not just our country that's infatuated with eagles even God talks about eagles he, the Bible says they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength they shall mount up on wings like eagles it later talks about that the eagle stirs her nest when it's time for the eaglets to get out of the nest when the season is right the mother bird stirs up the nest so that the eaglets are uncomfortable sitting where they used to sit that's how you know you're coming into a new season when you try to sit where you used to sit and all of a sudden ooh. Ooh, God gets you out of your comfort zone. Ooh, you can't rest where you used to rest. Ooh, things are changing on your job. Ooh, things are changing in your life. Ooh, things are changing in your neighborhood. Ooh, things are changing in your home life. Ooh, things are making you pray more. Ooh, things are making you call on God. It's nothing but God stirring up the nest because now you got to take wings and begin to fly. the eagle spreads its wings it's something to behold it's something to behold nearly nine feet from tip to tip when it spreads its wings it was built for high places it was built to soar I think you would say meters about three meters it, it was built to soar to fly it was built to withstand the storms so that when the storm comes and other birds run for shelter the eagle runs into the storm and uses the storm to lift it up so that it can fly above the storm. You know you're an eagle when you ran into a storm that you thought was going to kill you and instead of it killing you, it lifted you higher than you've ever been lifted before. It's a sure sign you're an eagle. Can you hear me tonight? Spread those wings and it begins to fly. It can see several miles even in the night it can see its prey and its opponent eagles are awesome birds in fact the eagle mates in the middle of the air they make love eagles make love in the air boy that's a tough act to follow <laughs> Woo. you can edit it out of the tape relax you can cut it right out of it just clip it right out of it come right out of there in the air way up in the air they intertwine and in a in a love dance they go soaring through the air and it looks like they're plummeting down tied one with the other in the middle of the air they make love they reproduce in the air I tell you what's good about that the eagle knows that he ain't hooked up with no chicken because this old chicken can't get up in the air that high it, it might think the eagle is pretty cute but it can't it can't get up there where the eagles fly because its body is fat and its wings are too short and it can only flap up a little ways and fall back down again and some of you have got a lot of eagles that are trying you are eagles and you've got a lot of chickens that are trying to flap up there and get where you are but God will take you to a place where you can only hook up with other eagles and eagles are all oh, do you hear what I'm saying to you so don't be frustrated when you see the chickens 
flapping up and falling down because at this stage in your life it's time for you to be synergistic with other eagles eagles love on another level eagles live on another level eagles think on another level eagles function on another level eagles dream on another level eagles build on another level glory to god if you had somebody reject you leave you walk out the door stop crying about it it was just a chicken what you need is another eagle with wings and dreams and visions and concepts and ideas who's not jealous of you who's not intimidated by you who's not fighting you you know that it's an eagle when they're not jealous of you you know it's another eagle when they can think thoughts like you think you know it's another eagle when they can pray for you and help you to get to the next level it's only the chickens that are down on the ground talking about everybody you think an eagle is something by himself let him get with another eagle oh wonder how much further you would be if you would focus on being synergistic with other eagles rather than expending your energy trying to change chickens nothing against chickens I had one yesterday I eat them, baby, but I don't fly with them. <laughs> are there any eagles in the house? I said, are there any eagles in this house? Are there any eagles in this house? God is into synergy. He says one can chase a thousand, two, ten thousand. Now listen to this. If one could chase a thousand, you would think that two would chase two thousand. But God says, no, I'm not going to give you if you are chasing a thousand by yourself. If you can find another eagle, it's not just that you're going to have two thousand. I'll give you exponential growth if you make the right connections. I'll, I'll, I'll expedite the process. I'll get you there more quickly. In fact, where any two of you agree as touching anything on earth, it shall be done. That's why they made a mistake when they put Paul in jail with Silas. If Paul had been in jail by himself, they might have been able to hold him. 
But when he got in jail with Silas and they got together and they start praying and singing and at midnight Paul and Silas sang and prayed unto God and suddenly there was an earthquake. I don't know who I'm preaching to tonight, but you're about to get an earthquake in your life. You're about to get an earthquake in your life. Your jails are about to bust open. Your graves are about to crack. Roll away the stone. Your Lazarus is about to leap. Something is about to happen in your life. God's about to hook you up. I said, 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 God's about to hook you up. You're going from addition to multiplication. God's about to multiply you. Press down, shaking together, running over. God is about to hook you up. Who am I preaching to tonight? Touch three people and say, it's my season, it's my season. It's my season, 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 it's my season. The climate is changing, the conditions are changing, the circumstances are changing, the stars are changing. It's my season, everything's lining up, something is about to happen in my life. Shout hallelujah! Shout hallelujah! Glory to God. I know, I know there are all types of personalities. There's always the distinguished conservative refined intellectual personality who would never be as morose as as this but then there are those other people like me who are radical and crazy and don't care what anybody thinks who are just old enough not to really worry about what you think about them are there any people like that in here tonight those people to leap up on your feet and just spin right around in a circle your season is shifting your season is shifting your season your season sit down sit down now you're gonna get me in trouble you're gonna get me in trouble it's my first night I don't want to mess up on the first night they won't let me come back the next night if I mess up on the first night. So we got to. Let's practice, everybody.
Number four is seasons. You don't talk about these seasons. God said he gave us seasons for signs so that we would know where we were. Watch me now. Ezekiel describes God as a wheel in the middle of a wheel. He says he describes God as a circle because the circle is eternal. That's why we give wedding rings as a sign of committed love. It means I love you endlessly. God is a circle. He's a wheel in the middle of a wheel. He's eternal. So when Ezekiel describes him as a wheel in the middle of a wheel, see him as a wheel stepping out on absolutely nothing. And out of his circular deity, he spoke. And he spoke circles. Earth is a circle. Sun is a circle. Planets come in circles. And the circles started moving in circles. Until everything that God spoke came out in circles and started moving in circles and we had solar systems and galaxies and planets all moving in circles and the way they moved in circles is how we have time and the evening and the morning were the first day the evening and the morning were the second day the evening and the morning were the third day the evening and the morning was the first day and God had all these circles moving around and around and around and God said I gave you the circles so that you could have signs for seasons almost like if you took the face off of a traditional watch and opened it up what you would see is circles moving in circles and how fast they move is how fast the seconds pass but all man did on your wristwatch was imitate what God had done in the heavens because God put the first watch in the sky so that through the circles you would have a sign to know what season you're in What are you going to do with the time you have left? What are you going to do with the time you have left? I say that if you don't reposition yourself, you could miss the best time 
in your life. If you don't know what time it is, time will get away from you and you won't know where it went. The worst thing in life is not money getting away from you. It's not people getting away from you. It's time. Where did it go? I am my parents' age. My mother was sitting up talking with her sisters several years ago. And they were sitting up and they were drinking some coffee. Then they said, girl, where are all the old people? Said, where's Miss Susie and Miss Helen and Miss Regime and all the old people? And I was sitting over there thinking, y'all are the old people now. And before I could get through thinking it, they were gone. My hair was white and my afro was gone what are you going to do with the time you have left what are you going to do in this season of life David says Teach me to number my days, oh God, that I may know how frail I am. Teach me to make every day count. Give me the courage to make whatever changes I need to make to get myself in order, repositioning and restructuring and reorganizing my life so that I am doing the right thing at the right time in my life. God, don't let me miss my season. This is my moment and I am determined to live it. Come hell or high water, I will not waste it or lose it. This is the day that the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Whatever you do, you don't want to miss your moment. Can I walk on this thing down here? It'll hold fat people. I saw Ed jump on this. I just want to do it too. My mother was an educator. She was determined before we went to school that all of her children would be able to read and to write and to count. And so when we were very, very small, she insisted that we be able to count to a hundred. She said, you have to be able to count to a hundred. And I said, mom, uh, let me try 10. One, two, three, four, five, six, eight, nine, seven. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, nine, I kept working on that. Five, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. So I got it. Mom, hey, look, I got the ten down. She said, I didn't tell you to count to ten. I told you to count to a hundred. I said, can we just praise God for ten? 
Hey man, how you doing? Can we just praise him for 10? You know what? I was right. You don't have to be able to count to 100. Who counts to 100? How many people run around counting to 100? Or 1,000? Or a million? Or a billion? You never have to count to 100. All you ever have to do is count to 10. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And then you do it again. Eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, one, twenty-two, twenty-three. 24, 25, 26. All it is is 10 on the next level. Now I know why people get stuck on the lower levels. Because once they get to 10, they're not willing to go back to one again. On the next level. See, some people would rather be a big 10 on a lower level than to go to the next level and to be one again and have to read again and have to pray and have to think and have to study and have to invest again to go back to being one again on the next level means that you aren't maxed out and you have to decide if you're going to reposition yourself whether you're going to be a big 10 on a low level or whether you're going to reposition yourself and go back to one in this season in your life and be one again 11 is one again 21 is one again 31 is one again but on the next level. Are you ready for the next level? Are you ready? On a traditional piano, there are 88 keys. I play piano, not, like, not as proficiently as Marcus does, but I play the piano. But just give me a little something. such a big deal it's only eight keys if you can play eight you can play all 88 it's just eight on the next level I gotta stop them out of time <laughs> almost I got I'll be back tomorrow. <laughs> Can I come back tomorrow?
Let me show you one more thing that stops people from really shifting seasons, going to the next level, repositioning themselves. Can I take off my coat? I'm hot. And get a drink of water. Y'all are so much fun. There was a little boy, young man, knew that this was the season where the eagles came to nest. And he thought, maybe if I get up in the hills and I get on a high enough level, I can see an eagle and take a picture of an eagle. And he saw, no, that was a hawk. No, that's a vulture. After a while, he saw an eagle. Whoa, there is nothing like the eagle. The eagle spread its wings almost nine feet from tip to tip and began to fly. And he saw the eagle fly and he saw the eagle move and he saw the eagle fasten its eye on a prey and it soared down, down, down where he couldn't see and it went down, down and he fastened himself on something and then he took off and began to fly again flying into the heavens and the boy snapping pictures, snapping pictures, running out of film snapping pictures and ooh, ooh, snapping pictures and all of a sudden the eagle comes down like it's been shot goes down to the ground did somebody shoot the eagle what happened to the eagle where where did the eagle go the boy runs and runs and runs and runs trying to find the eagle down in the rocks he sees the eagle is dead he turned his massive wings over to see what killed the eagle why are the mighty fallen? Why do great people go down? Who killed? Who shot the eagle? The eagle wasn't shot. There was a weasel attached to the eagle. That eagle swooped down and picked up a weasel for food and began to soar with the weasel attached to its breast but the weasel was so mean that all while the eagle was flying the weasel was biting into the eagle's chest and the eagle died not because the weasel was stronger but because the eagle refused to let go of what was eating 